This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 4, Episode 20, Strategies for Getting Published. 15 minutes long, because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. All right. This, um, we wanted to re-examine the whole getting published thing this year. We haven't done a podcast on it yet this year. Um, and we wanted to look at it through the eyes of, um... Writers trying to get published right now. Have things changed? Are there new strategies you can use? Um, what advice do we have, if any? Um, is this at all useful? I don't know, but we're going to try it anyway. All right, so new media. Let's talk about new media. Is this useful for new writers? What do I mean by new media? Uh, the web. Well, more than that, the, um, the idea of Twitter, blogs, um, user-generated uh, sort of these, this content. Okay. Um, new media generally refers to Twitter and blogs and Facebook um, and these sorts of things. Okay. Social um, media. Social media. So the web is old media. It yes. is. Welcome to the internet age, everybody. Mm-hmm. So using new media, is this useful for writers in getting published? Uh, new writers. I'm going to say it's it, it might be a useful part of a strategy, but beware the logical fallacy of affirming the consequent. Oh. What is, uh, what the logical fallacy of affirming the consequent is, well, Brandon Sanderson has maxed out his Facebook friends at 5,000. Therefore, oh, and he's a successful author. Therefore, if I can max out my Facebook friend count okay. at 5,000, I will be a successful yeah. author. You're talking about a false syllogism. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that one's called affirming the consequence. Is that what it is? And, okay. Uh, and be Does careful with work? that. It yeah. doesn't work. Okay. Now, social media, though, new media can yeah. be very helpful. And the great example of this, I think, is Mary Robinette Cole. Okay. Tell um, us about she, what She Mary gave did. a great uh, panel up at Worldcon in Montreal where she was talking about social media and said, and, and this is more or less uh, an exact quote, she said, I won the Campbell Award for Best New Writer based almost entirely on the strength of my blog. At that time, she did not have a novel out. Mm -hmm. Um, She had one or two short stories sold. People knew about her because she had a great blog. She continues to have a great blog. People read it all the time. That got her name out, connected her with an audience that liked her enough to vote for that award. Now, I'm not saying that this is a way to get awards. I'm saying this is solid evidence that building that online following can really help your career. Well, you say online following. I think that the strength of what Mary Robinette Kowal did, and and we see that strength also in uh, Jay Lake, John Scalzi. Um, I, I see it in my own work. I see it in your work. I see it in uh, you know a lot of people I follow and friend on you know Facebook and Twitter. Is the networking among like-minded professionals and aspiring professionals. We go to conventions in order to try and meet editors. We go to conventions to try and learn things from other writers. And the new media allows us to maintain these connections, to learn a little bit more about ourselves Mm -hmm. in an environment where maybe we're a little more comfortable and don't have to be dressed as an elf. And, um, and unlike this current environment, yeah, unlike, yeah, right. Um, Those so we great on you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I like I like the ears and the hat. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I wish you'd wear something else with it though, because it's really distracting. <laughs> I've got the boots. I got the boots. For those of you okay. not benefiting from the video, um, I, I am wearing my boots. No one is benefiting from this video. Um, now, now, one thing that I'm going to caution people about is that when you're using social media this way and you're using it for networking and you're using it to get 
people who, to know who you are, mm-hmm. to really make it work for you, you have to have something that, will, that you can lead them to. Okay. And my, my example for this is actually your brother, mm-hmm. uh, Howard's oh, brother, Randy, yes. who, if you're not following Randy Taylor on Twitter, he is the funniest guy on Twitter, I swear. He's hilarious. Randy Taylor, T-A-Y-L-E-R. Uh, and, and, you know, three or four times a day, just a jaw-dropping joke will come out. But there's nothing, that doesn't lead to there's, anything. You can't follow that back and say, I, I love buy, this guy. In marketing funny, terms, I yeah. should buy his book. In marketing terms, it's a fantastic marketing message without a call to action. Right. Well, you know, this is, um, this is a little bit like what... Um, what uh, uh, Cory Doctorow said to me when I said, hey, what, what do you think of this thing I'm doing with, um, with Warbreaker? If you aren't familiar with Warbreaker, my novel, I put it up on the internet for free um, in draft form for people while it was going along. And he said, I think it's a great idea. I'm glad you're doing this. Um, to be perfectly honest, though, I wouldn't advise most authors to do this because you're making them wait to buy the product way too long. Yeah. And his, his, he actually said, if I were going to do it, I would post those drafts you know, one month a time at a point, or one month apart after the book comes out, and said, "Here's draft one. Here's draft two. Or even work backwards. Here's the latest draft. Here are the drafts, so that people can get excited about this concept of, oh, I get to see the drafts as it's being built and things like this, and I can click the link and buy the book." Um, which I, I think is another way of, of putting it. Uh, mm-hmm. People ask me all the time, "Do I think releasing Warbreaker for free on the internet was a useful experiment?" Yes, it was, but because of some very specific circumstances that I was in. I don't necessarily think that you, as a new writer, um, releasing your book on the Internet is going to, going to get you a publishing deal. I don't, ne- I don't think that's very likely. Um, and I already there, have, are, there are guys who have pulled that off. Oh, there are exceptions to it. the rule. I'm going to talk about it, um, for sure. Um, it worked for me because I already had an established audience. And you already that, had a publisher. I already had a publisher, and... It worked for me also because right about, right about a year after I released it online, about three million people decided to say, who is Brandon Sanderson? Because mm-hmm. the Wheel of Time book was, yeah. um, was announced and three million eyes turned on me and they came to my website and a large number of them downloaded Warbreaker to say, well, let's see who this Joker is and let me see if I like his fiction. Um, giving them a free sample was very useful for me. It worked for John Scalzi. John Scalzi released um, Old Man's War, I believe, chapter by chapter on his blog um, before he was a published writer. Did he, got, did he get all the way to the end? I thought he got about halfway through I don't know before. how far he got before Patrick the um, other The other one was, um, gosh, now I can't remember his name, and I feel silly because he's local. The Monster Hunters International. Monster, see, he self-published it. Larry Korea. Didn't he? Oh, no, he published it he on. Published he it serialized online. it on the web. He serialized he it on the web. He yep. did self-publishing, and yep. then, and then Bane Books book came deal. along and picked it mm-hmm. up. And, and let's look at why these situations work, because we really shouldn't say to you, don't try it. In fact... I never want to say that. Yes, go try it. But I want you to understand why these things are working for these authors so that maybe you can make use of it as a new writer. John Scalzi had a very, very popular blog. He, much like um, Mary Robinette Cole, had, um, had lots of people coming, to, had eyes on him already. How did he do this? He was a great blogger. Mm-hmm. And this is something I think we should bring out. If you are a great blogger or have interest in becoming a great blogger, if this is something that's exciting to you, if you have things to say, and they don't necessarily have to be about writing. In fact, maybe they shouldn't be about writing. It should be fun and informative and interesting to a large, broad base of people. If you can do that and build an audience on your blog, you can then leverage that by, mm-hmm. by doing something yep. like this. 
Um, why did it work for Larry Korea? Does, does anyone anyone talk to him about that? Well, it, he, he told us when he yeah. was on the episode, it's it, more or less that same thing. Yeah. He uh, had found a very specific audience mm-hmm. of gun fanatics right. and wrote a book designed for them in which people use cool guns to kill monsters. And because he knew his audience and he wrote toward it and marketed it very well, he had a big of enough audience to get the attention of a publisher. Well, and the thing to keep in mind is that the publishing deal he landed was not initially a, you know, a super yeah, sweet it deal. Wasn't. It was a yeah. small deal that was essentially the foot in the door deal for right. a first time author that, yeah, the book did well enough that he's got, you know, deal for a second book and a, yeah. you know, He's had, to, but he's had to prove himself every step of the way. It's he has. not been mm-hmm. easy for him. Um, well, and, and you know what? That that right there is, uh, in, in terms of strategies for getting published, your strategy should include more than just the first right. contract. You need to remember that you're going to have to work hard right. to build that career. Well, you know, the, the best thing I, we probably should have started the, um, the podcast with this is by saying um, the best strategy for getting published is to have great writing. Yeah. Have great writing first. Now, great writing and talking, lots of it. Yeah. Everything we're talking about in this podcast are are ways that you may be able to increase your chances of getting the right eyes on that. But let's go ahead and do our um, our book of the week. Um, Howard, do you wanna do you wanna talk about this one? Uh, I want to talk about it because of the uh, <laughs> yes, Patrick Rothfuss. Name because of the wind. You owe him one <laughs> because I totally I totally owe him one, um, and he owes us a second. Um, I shouldn't have even said that. <laughs> a second uh, book, Pat, exactly. Pat Rothfuss. <laughs> going to swear. Now you owe him again. another one, Howard. I I owe him like five. Uh, he wrote the name of the wind over the course of uh, many years. I don't know the exact the exact count, um, and this was his. This was his first book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a brilliant, brilliant book, and um, and because his because his first book was so successful, demand for his second book was quite high. And Pat's strategy for for putting out the first book was not a strategy that <laughs> prepared him for cranking out the second book in a timely manner. And bless his heart, he's taken a lot of flack for that. Uh, some of it accidentally from me at PenguinCon, Pat. I'm so sorry. Uh, go download your free copy yeah. uh, at uh, audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. You get a free trial and you can listen to Pat Rothfuss's The Name of the Wind. This is a wonderful book. Um, I think all three of us have read it and loved Absolutely. it. Plus, Pat appeared on um, Writing Excuses and um, was very charming uh, and is a, just a, a fantastic person. So really, if you haven't read this book, you are missing out. It's wonderful. Um, all right, so uh, bringing it back, let's talk about st- other strategies. Do either of you guys have anything you want to throw out at new writers that are trying to break in right now? What would you tell them other than write great books and network? I'm going to give them some don'ts. Okay. Real quick. Uh, don't print it on colored paper. Okay. Don't perfume the paper. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't try and do anything fancy with your submission packet to make it stand out. Okay. Because... Listen to Stacy's. Okay. Listen to Stacy's. She talked about that at length. Mm -hmm. Um, Back in season one, you can find it. Yeah, back in season one. All of those all of those tactics will just get in the way. If you want to stand out with an editor or with a publisher, you want to stand out because you have met them in person, Mm -hmm. you have shaken their hand, you have and you have proven yourself to be personable and easy to work with, then they will remember you. They, if they remember you for the perfumed paper, it's because they threw your manuscript in the trash. <laughs> now, I will say one thing here, to, to maybe add a caveat. Maybe I shouldn't do this, but um, since we're kind of trying to, to push the envelope a little bit in here, here and say, 
Um, if you do something absolutely brilliant and it's the first time it has ever been done, it might work. Yep. Perfuming the paper won't. Um, doing some of these little tricks won't. Um, and the problem with trying any of these things is that you could flop hardcore core mm-hmm. and fall on your face and look stupid. Um, I think when John Scalzi published his, uh, a book on his website, if people had said, if he had told people he was going to do that, the conventional wisdom would have been, would have been no, no one will pay attention to that. Don't do it, John. And yet, he was one of the very first people to really p- publish a professional novel like this on a high-profile blog, and it worked for him. Things like this do happen, and I, I wonder if there are some, some sort of extreme things that you could try if you were very, very, um, how shall I say, if you were very gutsy, um, and you were willing to... Okay, yeah. gutsy, free mm-hmm. idea, and this is for somebody yeah. who's got a good coder as a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have your friend code up a Twitter aggregator, and you write your novel via Twitter clients with a different Twitter client for each POV, and you write your, your novel 140 characters at a time. Is it a good idea? Probably not. Has it been <laughs> done before? I don't think so. Uh, there actually is a Twitter project called Twistery, hmm. where uh, it's actually some, some local Utah writers who will replay historical events exactly the way you're talking about. So, like, this, the Cuban Missile Crisis was the one they just finished up. Uh, that took, you know, in real time, all the different characters had a Twitter, and you could follow the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. I you think know. writing a novel that way would be fascinating. It could be, and it could be interesting. Um, these are, you know, like I said, this is the sort of thing where you could fall on your face hardcore. I mean, and if you do, I it's would not our out, fault. Yeah, it's not our fault. The one I would throw out is if I really wanted to get published right now, um, and I were extremely confident in my work, as I was during the early years, um, which um, I hope was legitimate, um, I would, I'm not now, oh boy. Um, I would go and I would get five friends and we would each chip in several hundred dollars and I would buy five iPads and I would preload them with my books and I would go to Worldcon and I would give them to five editors that I wanted to look at my writing for free. Okay. That's, you know, I mean, that's like spending 400 bucks. Um, you know, something like that, you might be able to pull off once well, and you know what if you know you've, what if you've well here's here's the thing there are a lot of aspiring writers who have you know day jobs and disposable yeah. income mm-hmm. and are looking at you know is there a way for me to spend two thousand dollars on ads that will get me noticed and you know what the the ipad trick it's certainly going to get you remembered right and it might mm-hmm. be too late to do this now ipads already might be saturated yeah. um, but you know i would i would pay attention to which editors and be i would be watching them doing my homework and see if there's an editor who says gee i wish i had an ipad I would mail them an iPad the next day with my books loaded on it. Um, but I was very confident, and I would have been willing to spend $800 for the chance that an editor that I really like would be willing to look at my books. Um, mm-hmm. Out of gratitude for a free iPad. Out of, out of gratitude for a free iPad. I mean, these are the sorts of things. I mean, you can do stuff like that. That has to be a good book, though. That has to be a really good book. I, um, don't, I do not want the editor feeling guilty mm-hmm. when they delete my book from the iPad because it was just a disgrace to this wonderful Apple device that they're now that they're now holding. What are you saying about my writing, Howard? I'm <laughs> I'm saying that you could have pulled it off. Yeah, well, let, let's let's uh, finish up. It's just not my fault the... if you try that, and it, it's a waste of money. By the way, I'm actually just trying to. Um, just come yeah, up we're brainstorming. We're brainstorming. Let, let's finish by saying yeah. that the old methods are probably still the best. The old yeah, methods. Write something fine. really good. 
and submit it. And when it gets rejected, submit it again right. and write something new. And always writing. be writing, always be submitting. And I, I want to throw networking in there, though, too. Yes, really networking is how be, Brandon and I both be got our foot in the door. Be writing good writing and submitting. And that's still the best way. Um, we haven't even touched on the idea of, um, of using self-publishing with ebooks as a way of drawing an audience and things like that. But um, I, I don't see this as being even it's it's more viable now than it used to be um i still don't see it as being you know very i'm gonna viable. go i'm gonna go out on a limb yeah. and i'm gonna say that as a web cartoonist in the sci-fi genre um you know with the following i've got and with a you know a good following among among writers i have the opportunity if I come up, if I write a good manuscript, and I would love right. to do this, I can put my manuscript one time in front of a top-of-the-line agent and editor. I can, I can leverage my whole web career right. for one shot. And if I screw it up, then, then it's over and I'm a web cartoonist forever. And See, I probably wouldn't mind that. But you could, you could also leverage it for posting it on your, on your website mm-hmm. and drawing attention to it. Um, you've got a lot of eyes that would look at it. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah. Um, I'm not promising you guys yeah. the Howard Taylor novel next month. But we, 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 we do want to... See if you can beat Rothfuss. <laughs> we will want to re-examine this in a few years um, if the ebook revolution happens, which mm-hmm. I honestly don't believe it will. But some people are projecting 2012 as the year of the ebook. Um, in fact, one big um, industry professional projected to, that was the that by the time of the the, the presidential election in 2012, that um, that would be the tipping point where we would have a market collapse. That's why all the Mayan calendars mm. end then because yeah. they had to go because electronic. The publishing right. industry. If the if the if publishing does go about 25 to 20 20 percent electronic, if readers 20 to 25 percent read um, electronically instead of physical books, it will crash. The, the physical presence of physical bookstores because they will lose enough of their, the, you know, they, they run by a thin margin. It could mm-hmm. crash the entire, the entire system. Um, and then the, the mass market paperback will collapse in the U.S. like it did in the U.K. Um, uh, it happened there like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will re- re-examine. For now, traditional publishing is the best way to go. Um, and it is, for the foreseeable future, the best way to go. And I still suggest you follow these, these same things. I know it's excruciating, but it's the way to go. And it comes down to, you know, even if that market crashes, yeah. the good manuscript, whether it's electronic or on paper or on glossy pages or printed yeah. to the inside of your eyelids, the good manuscript is always, is, is always your best strategy. How much strategy. does it cost to mail someone your eyelids? <laughs> Or, you know, someone else's. I'm not asking for myself. It's Writing prompt. Um, Books on the inside of your eyelids. Yes. The, the printing on human skin, for whatever reason, a thousand years in the future, becomes the most economical and publicly acceptable way to publish a book. This has been Writing Excuses. Um, we had way too many <laughs> tangents in this episode, so maybe you do have a few excuses. But go write anyway. On human skin. Don't write on human skin. <laughs> On human skin. (laughs) Okay, no human skin, please. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. 
Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. Locus. 